Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to give you the Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Impact Wrestling, Friday Night Smackdown, and also AEW Rampage. Before the end of this episode has been concluded, I will be giving you my NXT TakeOver War Games predictions. Now, with that being said, let's start off with Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw's whole big overarching uh, stance was, was Kevin Owens telling the truth? And the, what I mean by that is, whenever Seth Rollins comes out at the beginning of Monday Night Raw, he has his in-ring promo. The main point of the promo was that he announces that at WWE's next pay-per-view, day one, which is on January 1st, he will be facing Biggie for the WWE Championship. Seth Rollins has his match with Finn Balor after this, and Finn Balor loses to Seth Rollins whenever Seth uh, hits Finn in the eye with a thumb and eye, and then curb stomps him for the win. And then later in the night, you will see Seth Rollins laughing right up in Kevin Owens' face. And Kevin Owens would tell Seth Rollins that he just got done talking to Adam Pierce. And Pierce told Kevin Owens that if he beats Big E tonight in the main event, he will be inserted into the WWE Championship match at day one. Seth Rollins didn't believe Kevin Owens and called him a liar. Kevin Owens told him, hey, you can ask Adam Pierce yourself if you don't believe me. Seth Rollins looked at him and he said, you know what, I will ask him because you know what, I don't trust you, you are a liar. So that happened later on in the program and ultimately Seth goes over to Adam and Adam tells Seth that, yo, I never told Kevin Owens none of this, you know who Kevin Owens is. Seth says, I I know, I just had to hear from you because you know what, you're right, Kevin Owens is a liar and you're right, I should have just stuck with my instincts. And as soon as he's leaving out of the Adam Pierce's office, Sonya Deville walks in and asks Adam Pierce, what was that all about? Adam tells Sonya that Seth heard from Kevin Owens that if he wins tonight in his match against Big E, he'll be added to the WWE Championship match. And he says, I told him this. Uh, Sonya says that, no, I know you didn't say that, but that deal does sound, that that sounds promising. So now you got Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville both thinking about this. Later in the night, you'll have Seth Rollins walking up back over to Kevin Owens and say, hey, man, I talked to Adam Pierce. I knew you were lying. He said that he didn't hear none of that from you. Kevin Owens is sticking to his gun, and he told Seth Rollins, they listen, I told you, I'm telling you, I'm not lying to you. I am, if I beat Big E tonight, I'm going to be inserted into your match at day one for the WWE Championship. It's going to be a triple threat match. Seth Rollins says, yeah, okay. And Kevin Owens is just walking away from Seth, like, all right, go ahead, don't believe me. And Seth Rollins is still there smiling and just cackling. Later in the night, you see Seth Rollins walk over back into Adam Pierce's locker room. And he just goes over to Adam and asks him, all right, listen, this thing is bothering me. Is Kevin Owens going to be in that championship match? And then Sonya Deville is right next to Adam. And Adam tells Seth, listen, originally that wasn't the plan. But, and then Seth Rollins says, hold up, wait a minute. You're, you're trying to tell me that you are thinking about it? Then Adam says, it sounds promising. And then he tries to throw the blame off to Sonya Deville. And Sonya looks at Adam. Seth loses his mind. He calls Adam Pierce a liar. And then he even says that, you know what? Kevin Owens was telling the truth. And it just sends a wiggle down Seth's back. And now Seth is constantly just screaming at Adam Pierce, calling him a liar as he's leaving out of the uh, office. So now you're going to have to wait to the main event to see if Kevin Owens would beat Big E to get into the triple threat match. Anyway, I'll get to that uh, in a minute. Let me run down the full match card of what happened on Monday Night Raw. 
you had Austin Theory sitting in Mr. McMahon's locker room watching Monday Night Raw with Vince. And Vince's whole theory, his whole main point of having Austin there is that Austin needs to be there so he can watch the show, so he can be on his toes to expect anything. Because Vince tells Austin that people are expecting anything to happen. And if people are expecting something to happen, then they won't expect something to happen. It was really confusing, to be honest, the way that he laid it out. But in the end... Austin Theory sits through the whole night watching Raw with Vince. Vince ends up about to shake Austin's hands and slaps him in the face. This is basically Vince's way of trying to, like, put Austin underneath his wing. So we're going to have to see Austin Theory be with Vince probably next week on Raw unless they decide to drop this. But if not, I see them not dropping this. So I see Austin Theory being with Vince next week. Uh, We had a contract signing of Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan. And they announced that their Raw Women's Championship match will be happening next week on Monday Night Raw. During the segment, Becky was trying to get under the skin of Liv Morgan. She kept mentioning how Liv was holding herself back and that she will constantly hold herself back. But when will she stop doing that? Liv was able, in return, to get underneath Becky's skin by playing a video of Becky after she had her match with with Charlotte at Survivor Series, and in the video, you see Becky talking about having a pass with Charlotte and how she's upset that she had to fight someone that she used to love and used to know. And after the video plays, they showed the camera over to Becky right there, frustrated and upset. And this is basically Liv's retaliation for Becky constantly pushing her and pushing her. Liv then talks about how Becky has this big fat contract and that the people that she loved is gone because of Becky Lynch's big fat contract, playing into the fact that WWE released two of Liv Morgan's best friends, Sonya, uh, not Sonya, Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot, better known as Ruby Soho now in AEW. Becky Lynch then tells Liv Morgan that she talked to Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville and that tonight it will be a five on five match, Team Becky versus Team Liv Morgan, and. They end up signing the contract. We get the 5-on-5 later on in the night. After this, we get an RK bro at the gorilla position. Riddle asks Randy, where's his shorts? Because Riddle is trying to get Randy to dress up like him. in reti- Not retaliation, but in return for Riddle dressing up like Randy last week on Monday Night Raw. Randy tells Riddle that he isn't going to do that. Why would you ever think that I was going to do that? He ends up telling Riddle point blank, listen, the only thing that we need to be together is in the ring to be the most ruthless team out there to retain our championships. Do you understand that? Riddle understands, but he tells Randy to shut his eyes. As soon as Randy shuts his eyes, unwillingly, nevertheless, Riddle puts a wig on Randy's head to try to mimic Riddle's hair. Randy opens his eyes, and he looks at Riddle, and he tells him, you got two seconds to take this wig off my head. He counts to one, Riddle takes the wig off, they go out to the ring, and now it's time for their Raw Tag Team Championship match between RK-Bro and the Dirty Dogs. RK Bro retained their Raw Tag Team Championships by pinfall, where Randy was able to hit a flawless RKO on Dolph Ziggler. Again, that RKO when Randy does it looks completely pretty. Even last week's RKO from uh, Riddle to Dolph Ziggler, it looked com- it looked pretty, dude. There's RKO's the cutter just looks excellent. Either way, um, we end up going to an Edge in ring promo, and Edge comes out here. He mentions that he's happy to be back in WWE. He uh, mentions that there's a lot of people on Raw that he uh, wants to face and that he could face, and he starts listing a uh, name of superstars. He lists AJ Styles. He lists Finn Balor, Damian Priest, 
Kevin Owens. He even then lists the WWE Champion Big E. Then all of a sudden, the Miz's music hits and out walks the Miz and Maurice. And the Miz gets in the ring and he talks about how Edge always gets the big comeback treatment. And I got clips of what I want you to hear from the promo battle between Edge and Miz. And I want to play these for you. And I want you to hear them. And I'm going to give you my observation of this after these clips. But without a further ado, here's the clips of Edge going against Miz on um, promo battle for Monday Night Raw. They gave you the big press release. Tune in to Monday Night Raw. Edge is back. You've been gone, what, a month? Is this what your career has amounted to? Just living for the big comeback? I mean, you get injured, you get a big comeback. You take time off, wouldn't you know you get a big comeback? You retire, just kidding, I wanted that big comeback. And then I was listening to the list of people you have your eye on. What, Edge? Am I not on your radar? Something that you could have had, something you still could have, but instead you tangle or you waltz down here, whatever it is you do, bitching, moaning, and complaining that you don't have this, you don't have that, you don't have this, you don't have that. Little Mizzy needs a pat on the back, does he? You have people on other shows saying your name just, just to get a cheap reaction. You live rent-free in a lot of heads. But the big difference between you and I is that I fought with every fiber of my being to get this small window back where you, you use this to get notoriety for your next endeavor, for your next reality show, for your next dance competition while you leave your partners high and dry to get fired. Let me say this right now. This promo battle reminded me of a light version of MJF going against CM Punk last week on AEW Dynamite. Now, I'm not the only person that thought this. There was a lot of internet uh, wrestling community people thinking this, the exact same thing, and you have YouTube videos of people even putting side-by-side -side comparisons of MJF and CM Punk going against Miz and Edge promo battles, okay? Now, let me say this right now, Edge and Miz, if you watch the whole clip, because there's a whole segment on this on YouTube, if you just type in Miz Edge segment, there's a whole like nine minute clip. Either way, if you watch the whole promo, it's a good promo. Nothing wrong with it. I'm giving kudos to Edge, Miz, completely kudos. But, and here's the key part of this. Whenever you are going to do that style of promo, you got to know something. People are going to compare it, especially whenever that promo is literally almost bullet point to bullet point exactly what AMJF and CM Punk did, or the competition, if you will, did just last week. If you think I'm lying, go back to the MJF and CM Punk thing. MJF comes out, and he talks about how Punk had, was on media coverage, and he was doing media, and how he would list off names that he wanted to face, but he never mentioned MGF's name whenever MGF's one of the names that we all want to see Punk going against. Miz comes back. What is the first thing that he does? He talks about how Edge was doing media coverage everywhere, and how now on Monday Night Raw, he lists off people that he wanted to face, and he didn't happen to mention Miz. That's strike one. Strike two. Whenever Medge mentioned that Miz's name 
is mentioned on another programming just to get a cheap reaction. He was off. He was without anybody thinking it. He was putting the red nose right on Rudolph's face by pointing out AEW, mentioning Miz's name on their programming. And whenever he talked about how people got fired, how Miz was off dancing, doing the cha-cha on Dancing with the Stars to leave his partner getting fired. I'm not saying that's an AEW shot, but they're leaning more into reality-based, more than what WWE has ever possibly done. They're mentioning people being fired, people being released. I can say that we can mention, we I can give the credit to Roman Reigns when he talked about uh, listing the people that he smashed and no longer here. He talked about it months ago, how he smashed Braun Strowman, how he smashed The Fiend, the both of them not here, how he smashed at WrestleMania at both Edge and Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan's not here. I can give that credit to Roman, but Roman was the only guy doing it. Now on this Monday Night Raw episode, we have Liv and Edge mentioning people that are not in WWE no more. That's breaking unwritten rules in WWE. But again, this promo literally was a was WWE's literal like I'm not gonna say they're shot back at AEW, but this was them kind of like leaning into that. But again, this was a great promo between Edge and Miz. In the end, um, Edge was telling Miz that Ayo, if you want to fight me, we can do this right now. Oh yeah, and this was the third one, the same way. Edge said that Ayo, if you want to fight, we can do this right now. Uh, Miz starts unzipping his jacket to a to like the middle point and he just gets on the mic and says no he flips it and then he leaves out of the ring and MJF last week Pope took off his jacket he's ready to go uh, MJF takes off his jacket he starts on taking off his scarf he starts to mess around with his uh buttons on his arms and then he just drops and rolls out of the ring this is WWE's legitimate like going back to AEW saying they're challenging, not challenging, but just their uh, version of the MGF and CM Punk uh, promo. But again, saw the promo by Miz and Edge. I wish this was TV 14 because Edge on TV 14 is different, different. If you know, you know. If you were around in 2005-ish, whenever that man was a complete dickhead, I mean, as the rated R superstar, him and Lita, I mean, my man was wilding out here. So imagine old, salty, veteran Edge on TV 14 with Miz, who was around, like, later portions before he really became the Miz Miz, like, the guy that was sending people to flames on PG WWE. Imagine what Miz can do on TV 14. That would be awesome. But, hey, again, this was a PG version of everything, and their promo was still good. So, uh, I just want to say, that's where people are going to say that Miz and... Edge were a copy of Punk and uh, MJF. Just wanted to let that be thrown out there. Anyway, after this, we get backstage interview. Well, backstage, uh, AJ Styles and Omos. AJ is wearing sunglasses, and he's acting blind because Street Profits sprayed him with a fire extinguisher last week uh, in the eye, so he can't see. But after this, we get a tag team match between the Street Profits and the Alpha Academy, and AJ Styles and Omos were at the commentary table. Uh, the Street Profits win the match by pinfall, but Montez Ford hits a frog splash on Chad Gable for the win. AJ did try to interfere in the match whenever he 
ran quickly from the commentary table and went up to Montez Ford, who was on the top rope at the time, but Montez was able to knock AJ Styles to the floor and execute the frog splash. Uh, we did, after this, get a United States Championship match between Damian Priest and Apollo Crews with Commander Aziz in his corner. Damian Priest wins the match and retains his United States Championship by pinfall. This happens when Commander Aziz grabs Damian's, uh Priest by the foot when he was on the ring apron and then dragged, dropped him to the floor. Uh, he was able to do this whenever the uh, Apollo distracted the referee, but however, when the referee heard the thud of Damien hit the floor and Commander Aziz just standing like he didn't do nothing, uh, the referee threw, told Aziz to go to the back and that he's throwing him to the back. Damien starts getting up, so now you see his face and now he's turned into that bipolar, angry, like unstoppable monster. He gets in the ring and he just starts destroying Apollo, and he ends up hitting him with the reckoning for the win. Uh, after this, we get a tag team match between the Mysterios and the Hurt Business, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. The Mysterios win by pinfall when Dominic and Ray were able to hit a double 619 on Cedric and Shelton Benjamin. Then Dominic was able to go up to the top rope, hit a frog splash for the win. We get our 505 women's tag team match between Liv, Team Liv, who consists of Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, Nikki A.S.H., Dana Brooke, and Ray Ripley going against Team Becky Lynch, which consists of Carmella, Becky, Dewdrop, Tamina, and Queen Selena. Team Liv was able to win the match whenever Liv Morgan was able to hit Oblivion on Tamina for the win after the match. Becky attacks Liv, and now all members of Team Liv and all members of Team Becky are now going at each other, which leads to Liv hitting Becky with Oblivion and Liv is now standing in the ring with Team Liv as Becky's on the outside with the rest of her teammates. This sets up for their tag, their, not tag, but their Raw Championship match next week. Raw Women's Championship match next week. Now we're time for the main event. Big E going against Kevin Owens, and if Kevin Owens wins, he's added to their uh, WWE Championship match between Big E and Seth Rollins at Day 1 pay-per-view. Seth Rollins comes down for the commentary. He's sitting at the commentary table to watch this match. There were multiple times in this match where Seth Rollins tried to interfere to make sure that Kevin Owens did not win and get himself into the match. But in the end, Kevin Owens does win by disqualification thanks to Seth Rollins. Because during the match, Kevin Owens would attack Rollins repeatedly until Rollins happened to lose his cool and runs in and attacks Kevin Owens. The referee calls for the bell. And as he's attacking Kevin Owens, he takes off his jacket and he sees Kevin Owens like uh, perched in a position to hit the curb stomp, but as soon as Kevin Owens notices Seth running to him, Kevin Owens slides out of the ring, and now he's walking up the ramp. Rollins looks at E, he super kicks Big E, and then hits a curb stomp on Big E. As soon as he does this, you have the ring announcer announce that Kevin Owens won the match by disqualification, and this gives Kevin Owens the opportunity to now be insert himself into the WWE Championship match at day one. So now at day one is a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. Big E going against Seth Rollins, going against Kevin Owens. And at the end of Raw, you have Seth Rollins flipping out that he can't believe that Kevin Owens has been added to his match at day one. And that's the end of WWE Monday Night Raw. Now on to NXT. NXT opens up with a ladder match to determine whose team gets the advantage at War Game between Kaylee Ray, who represents Team Cora Jade, going against Dakota Kai, who represents Team Toxic Attraction. 
Kaylee Ray wins the match by unhooking the briefcase that was hanging above the ring. Dakota Kai could have won the match earlier, but she decided to jump off the ladder and double stomp Kaylee Ray right in the chest uh, to make sure that Kaylee Ray was taken out of the match. But as you could tell from the ending, Kaylee Ray uh, was not uh, taken out by this. This was a chaotic match between Kaylee Ray and Dakota Kai. I mean, it started off fast with Kaylee Ray uh, getting attacked by Dakota Kai, but then Kaylee Ray jumping out of the ring and jumping onto Dakota Kai outside of the ring. They used the ladder a lot in this match. And even at one point, they had Dakota Kai in the tree of woe inside the ladder, but Dakota Kai's legs aren't thick enough to like hold herself on that ladder, so she kind of like dropped off. But again, not trying to pinpoint the negative parts. This match was absolutely great. If you can, uh, go back to NXT this week. Go and watch that match. Perfect match. After this, we get a backstage segment of Grizzly Young Veterans trying to get into the lockers of Brooks and Briggs. But Jacket Time comes up to them and asks them what are they doing. Uh, Zach Gibson tells them to be quiet and shushes them. Uh, they continue to then talk towards uh james drake of grizzly young veterans james tells them to be quiet and shushes them and now you got a whole three men shushing each other both members of jacket time Kashida and hickam and yarrow shushing jack james drake james drake shushing them and then you see zach gibson stop messing with the locker and he tells all three of them to shush it and be quiet and then you see brooks and briggs walks up on him and he asks what are you doing and you see grizzly young veterans run away as jacket time is standing there and Brooks and Briggs ask them, what are they doing? And Jacket Time tells them to be quiet. It was a serious operation, and it shushes them. So this continues the Brooks and Briggs uh, rivalry with Grizzly on Veterans. It's stupid. They get trying to take, uh, give the Grizzly on Veterans the old Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, lie, cheat, and steal deal. I get it, but Grizzly on Veterans, they're not that. They're not that. I They need to give them something else. Uh, after this, we get a one-on-one competition between Cameron Grimes and Andre Chase. Cameron Grimes wins the match by pinfall when he nails Andre with the cave-in. After the match, we get Duke Hudson on a platform congratulating Cameron Grimes, but he tells him that this will be the last one he gets with hair on his head. Duke Hudson then starts showing photos of Grimes with different haircuts that he wants to give him on the Titantron, but then ultimately he says he's going to cut Cameron Grimes bald. Cameron Grimes goes outside of the ring, grab Andre Chase back into the ring, he goes underneath the ring and gets a hair clipper out. And he goes and grabs Cam, uh, Andre Chase and he's about to shave his head or beard or whatever the case is. But one of Andre's students grabs him out of the ring and holds on to him. Grimes gets a microphone and announces that at War Games, he's going to shave Duke Hudson bald. So this is more leading up to their and hyping up their match at War Games. We get a video of a new uh, wrestler coming into NXT who's going to have their match later on tonight, uh, Idris Inafi, and he gives his backstory. He's a former serviceman. He was raised up in Compton. He was a fighter, and he tries to put the comparison to his opponent for tonight's solo, Sequoia. It's talking about they're kind of the same people, but hey, we'll get to that later. Uh, after this, we go back to in-ring, and now inside the ring is the team of the team new school for uh, NXT War Games, which consists of Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, Grayson Waller, with Trick Williams in the ring. They're in the ring to find out who will be facing Johnny Gargano later tonight in a ladder match for their uh, to see who will be getting the advantage for their match at War Games. 
Braun Breaker was chosen by the fans, so Braun Breaker will be facing Johnny Gargano later tonight in the ladder match. Uh, then you get Team New School running down Old School, saying that hey, yo, they respected the, uh, the Old School, paved the way, but now they're here. They're not trying to no longer uh, be the guys that have to wrestle for a handshake and a hot dog. They don't care about respect. They're here to be superstars. They're here to uh, take over. You get the drift. Johnny Gargano comes out. He tells him that, hey, yo, if it wasn't for guys like us, you guys wouldn't be in a ring right now. There would be no ring for you guys to stand in. And he tries to tell the new school to pay some respect to the old school. Johnny then tells Braun that, hey, leave your team in the back. I'll leave my team in the back. It'll be just me and you tonight. And he tells him that if you are such a big, tough guy, you'll do that. And he even throws out and calls Braun uh, the big, bad booty nephew playing on the nickname of big bad booty daddy his uh uncle's scott steiner's nickname and then you get the whole crowd of nxt uh chanting big bad booty nephew no no they chant booty nephew at braun braun smiling at this because again he understands reference and he agrees to it so it'd be braun and johnny just strictly by themselves in a ladder match on nxt tonight after this we get a video of msk playing and they're showing that they're close to meeting the shaman. They arrive at the shaman's place. They open up the door and a, a foggy cloud start coming out and you start seeing the figure in a purple uh, silhouette. You don't see them until they're going to like probably debut them like at War Games or the next episode of NXT. But just know that MSK has meet the shaman now. Now it's time for in-ring competition again. Is number one contenders for the NXT Tag Team Championship match. Legado del Fantasma with Santos Escobar and Electra Lopez in their corner going against Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Von Wagner and Kyle win the match by pinfall when Von and Kyle were able to hit their tag finish of a running clothesline with a leg sweep combination on Joaquin Wilde for the win. Solid tag match. During the match, however... Um, Zion Quinn comes down and he starts fighting Santos Escobar. Electra Lopez follows them behind, so now it was a standard tag team match. Again, solid tag match, nothing but a high praise for me. Again, WWE knows how to do tag team matches whenever they give their tag team wrestlers just enough time to uh, perform. After this, we go backstage to Imperium, who are the NXT tag champions, being interviewed, but they're inter interrupted by. Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly, they let them know that they're only one win away from winning those NXT Tag Team Championships, and they tell them that they can't wait to see them at War Games. After this, we go to the in-ring, and we got Joe Gacy's All-Inclusion Invitational. What that means is that anybody will be able to challenge him. It doesn't matter your weight size, height size, or your gender. And inside the ring are three different individuals in that ring right there. You had one guy who was an average height. You had one big, like, big guy in stature and big guy in weight. And then you had a female standing all right next to one another. And this is Joe Gacy's opponent. He will be going against them one by one by one. He starts off with the average competitor. He beats him. And then as soon as he's done with that, he tells the woman to get in the ring. And the woman's ready to face Joe Gacy. But... Diamond Mine comes out, and Malcolm Bivens tells Gacy that this Invitational is missing some legitimacy. Gacy invites Robert Roderick Strong into the ring. 
Roger Strong gets in the ring with Malcolm Bivens. Malcolm Bivens does more talking. Gacy tells Strong, why don't you talk for yourself? Do you always got to have Malcolm Bivens talk for you? Strong gets the microphone. He tells Gacy that, you know what? Playtime is done and talking he's done. He clotheslines uh, Gacy and he starts fighting him. The referee rings the bell and he throws out this whole invitational. In the end, Gacy was able to hit a handspring clothesline on Strong. And then he gets pulled out of the ring by Harland. And now you have Diamond Mind standing in the ring with Roderick, Roderick Strong. And you have Joe Gacy standing next to his big old Michael Myers. A uh, real silent, real intimidating figure, Harland, standing right there just staring at Diamond Mind. This is to hype up their match at NXT War Games for the Cruiserweight Championship between Joe Gacy and Roderick Strong. After this, we go backstage to Solo Sequoia being interviewed backstage, and he talks about uh, his opponent Idris, but Boa walks up on him, speaking Chinese and holding his chest. He looks like he's in pain. Solo tells him that he doesn't understand what he's saying and that he has to deal with that by himself. He walks away, and you just see Boa still holding his chest in pain, and he just looks at Boa, and he starts speaking Chinese, and it looks like he's saying that he's going to get Bo uh, Solo for this. Anyway, we go to in-ring competition now. It's Solo Sequoia going against Idris and Nafi. Solo wins the match by pinfall when Idris misses the 450 splash. This allows Solo to hit a pop-up Samoan drop, and they go to the top turnbuckle and hit an Uso splash for the win. Immediately after the bell, Boa attacks Solo from behind. Boa applies the tongue and death grip on Boa, uh, not on Boa, but on Solo Sequoia, but as soon as he does this, Idris attacks Boa from behind. This makes Boa get off of Solo and then apply the death grip onto Idris. Solo was about to super kick Boa, but mid-super kick, Boa puts Idris in the way and Solo puts his foot down and Boa rolls out of the ring. Idris is on the ground. Solo walks over to him, extends his hand out. Idris takes the hand and... Solo pulls up Idris, so now you have looked like they got some admiration and respect between Solo and Idris. It's going to be interesting to see how this buddy-buddy or just respect thing is going to uh, play and pan out, but I can't wait to see it. Why not? Solo Sequoia is a Uso. He's a Samoan Dynasty member. They're not going to mess him up. Please, God, don't mess up Solo Sequoia. Again, if you feel like you're going to mess him up, please put him up with Roman Reigns and the Usos before you try to fire him or anything. God, just give us the Samoan Dynasty on the main roster. That's all I ask. Anyway, we go backstage now. Uh, we have Indy Hartwell and her team, tag team partner and friend Persia. They're stretching for their match. And Indy apologizes for losing last week because her head wasn't in the game. Persia tells her it's okay, but tells her that also that can't happen again. Indy then gets a phone call from her doctor, and the doctor tells her that Dexter left the facility. This makes Indy worry, but... Um, Persia tells her, hey, we got a match next. You can't be worried about this right now. And they leave. We go to the parking lot area where Zion Quinn is walking to his car and he's met by Electra Lopez. Electra tells him that she wishes him, she wishes that he wouldn't mess with Legado del Fantasma, but she admires a man that walks to a beat of his own drum. And she informs him that next week he'll be facing Santos Escobar by himself. So it'll be a one-on-one -on -one match. We go to in-ring competition now. Now it's Indy Harwell and Persia going against two scrubs. Persia and Indy win the match when Persia hits one of the uh, females with a twisted fireman carry slam. Again, 
Andy Hartwell's head wasn't in the game. Persia had to come in and dominate and take over the rest. I see Persia really like snapping off on Indy and just like dominating her just so Indy can get the point across. After this, now it's time for the main event. Uh, the ladder match to see which team gets the advantage at war game between Johnny Gargano, who represents Team Old School, going against Braun Breaker, who represents Team New School. Braun wins the match by hooking the briefcase uh, above the ring. There were so many highlights in this match. There, I'm going to list off a couple. Braun hits a Frankensteiner on Johnny Gargano. Braun was able to pull Johnny Gargano off the ladder and catch him into a power slam. Johnny Gargano was able to super kick Braun Breaker in the face multiple times. And then Braun shoots Johnny the bird. And Johnny then super kicks Braun again in the face. Braun had Johnny Gargano on a ladder. And he looks like he's about to gorilla press him. Him and that ladder. But Johnny was able to escape off the ladder. Braun being only a rookie. And they made a comment comment on commentary that he is only six matches in literally so he's had you know he's had training with his father and his uncle and like wrestlers of the current coming to him and like giving him lessons but just for him to have six matches technically under the nxt banner and him being this good that's I don't know how freakish that is for anybody looking at this but I see a whole lot of potential and a whole lot of star power of Braun Breaker and again Braun is the future of NXT. Just, just know that. Anyway, after the match is done, you get both teams, both uh, teams of NXT Old School, NXT New School going into the ring, and they brawling with each other to end NXT. Again, this is the hype up war games that happens tomorrow night on Sunday when you listen to this. So again, I would suggest you watch it. It's on Peacock. You spend five bucks. You get it for a month. You get to watch everything else that's on Netflix, but you get to watch WWE programming. Why not? You can't beat five bucks. So I know I'm going to be watching it. Let me just put it that way. And I'm going to give you guys a review of that on Monday morning whenever you guys do a check for this. Um, But anyway, that's how NXT ends. Now off to AEW. AEW announces that... uh, in two weeks on their special Winter is Coming, there will be an AEW World Championship match between Heyman Adam Page and Brian Danielson. They also let people know that Jim Ross is taking some time off because, well, he has uh, skin cancer and he will be away from AEW commentary, away from AEW duties until the end of December. So we're going to be having multiple different commentators coming in and commentating in different segments in different matches throughout this uh, episode and more or less until Jim Ross comes back. Anyway, start off with the show. Alan Angels goes against Brian Danielson. Alan Angels is a member of Dark Order and he's numbers uh, five. Anyway, Brian wins the match by submission where Brian was able to lock in the heel hook on Angels and Angels tap out. Angels had a good match with Brian Danielson. Again, I don't know what AEW, I'm not going to say what they see in Allen, because Allen is a good wrestler for what I do see from him. But they this shows you they put a lot of stock into Allen Angels. Last year, he had a good match with Kenny Omega when he was a scrub, and he wasn't supposed to have a good match with Kenny. Let's just call it a spade a spade. He had a good match with Kenny again this year, 
And now they put him against Brian Danielson in Allen Angel's hometown, and he had a good match with Brian Danielson. So AEW sees something in Allen Angels. Just want you guys to know that. After the match, Tony Schiavone gets in the ring to interview Brian Danielson. Brian starts listing off the injuries that he gave to Dark Order members so far. He talks about knocking out the tooth of Cocobana, and he just talks about uh, how he just snapped Allen Angel's MCL. Brian then turns his attention and starts throwing insults to Hangman Adam Page, who was sitting at the commentary table during this match. Hangman gets up from the table and starts heading down to the ring, but he's stopped by John Silver. Silver tells Hangman that he knows he can't touch Daniel Bryan, well, Brian Danielson, because Tony Khan informed both Hangman and Brian that they can't touch each other, and if they do, they'll be suspended so they won't have their match at Winter is Coming. But John Silver tells him, you can't touch Hangman, you can't touch Brian, but I can, and he starts walking down to the ring. Brian Danielson then slips out of the ring and starts walking up the ramp. He's met by Hangman Adam Page. They jaw jack from each other, and then Brian declines to fight Adam right here because these Atlanta idiots don't deserve it, and he walks to the back. After this, we get a video of Miro, and Miro's now in a white room in a white green screened area. And he talks about how God has showed him something. And that he talks about how God has is a, a real a-hole. And he talks about try, he was only trying to bring up the name of God. And how he's now going to be going on loose now. It's, I get that they're making Miro a monster. I get it. But I just still don't like the whole like mess with the whole religion thing of God. Miro is a God-fearing guy. He believes in religion and all that good stuff. He believes with the God. He believes in God. But just for this, uh, I get the whole God's champion. But now I'm saying that God's an a-hole. Yeah, we're kind of we're kind of borderlining a little bit. That's just for me personally. Anyway, after this, we go to in-ring competition now. Lee Moriarty going against CM Punk. And this time on commentary, we have MJF. MJF is hitting some quick uh like jabs at CM Punk. He calls CM Punk. He stands, he tells him he says to on commentary that the CM stands for uh cooking meth. I mean, as soon as he said that, I quickly laughed at that. I mean, his delivery was just phenomenal. Uh he talks about how CM Punk is taking a long time to beat Lee Moriarty, how Lee Moriarty is a rookie, but CM Punk's supposed to be this big time superstar, this legend, and he's taking a long time just to beat Lee Moriarty. I mean, he's throwing out a whole lot of like jabs to Punk in this match. But in the end, Punk wins the match by pinfall when he nails Moriarty with a GTS. And as soon as the match ends, MGF gets on the mic and starts talking to CM Punk. And I have that promo right here. I had to cut a couple parts, but you get it. Uh, here's the promo of CM Punk and MGF going back and forth after CM Punk's match. It takes a lot of balls to come out here and claim to be the best in the world when you're struggling to beat the likes of QT Marshall and Lee Moriarty. I guess the only thing you're the best in the world at nowadays is trying to get in Britt Baker's pants. You can talk all you want about me struggling beating QT or beating Lee Moriarty. The fact is they're both better than you and you know it. You shut up, I'll shut up. Bring your little needle dick into this ring right now and I'll kick your ass all the way back to Long Island. Let me explain something to you, PG Punk. 
You need me more than I need you. I am a spark to a flame you haven't had since 2011. Again, this is CM Punk and MGF going at it back and forth. Two guys that are great on the microphone, great on the stick, on TV 14 programming, not PG, 14. MGF is constantly still underneath the skin of Punk, and Punk is now, well, Punk's been getting underneath the skin of MGF, but MGF is slowly but surely now getting underneath the skin of, M, of CM Punk now because Punk didn't like the line of MGF mentioning now. Uh, he's trying to get into the pants of Britt Baker when we know Punk has been constantly just giving praise to Britt Baker. But as an outsider, as a guy looking at this and constantly hearing that, you would say somebody's trying to get into the pants of somebody. If you constantly mention how somebody's great and is a female, a guy constantly like giving praise to a female, you would say that they are trying to get into their pants. But that's not Punk's whole situation right here. And we can also say that's the building blocks for whenever Adam Cole has his match with CM Punk. Punk can even say that MGF was right about you. You were trying to get into Britt Baker's pants. They're laying blocks down and foundations for whenever Punk does face Adam Cole because that's going to be inevitable as well. But uh, MGF then shot out another thing at CM Punk talking about how he hasn't been relevant since 2001 and that you need him more than I need you. That is another WWE shot at the bowels for whenever CM Punk said on uh, Cole Cabana's podcast in 2014-ish, whenever he talked about how he left WWE, he told Triple H to his face that you need me more than I need you, and that was in relation to whatever Triple H said that he wanted to face CM Punk at WrestleMania, and Punk wasn't having that, so ta-da, this is where we're at now, this was just MGF's version of that to CM Punk, anyway, MGF talks about how next week on AEW, they're going to have a, a uh, Dynamite, AEW Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal for the AEW Dynamite Diamond Ring. The last two competitors will have a match, a one-on-one match, and then the winner of that match will be the winner and the new holder or the retaining holder of the AEW Dynamite Ring, the same ring that MGF has been holding for the past two years. I see CM Punk going to interrupt that and probably cause some distraction of MGF. And there's only two ways I can see this happening. Either Punk is going to cause MGF to be distracted and him get thrown over the top rope and out of the Battle Royal. Or I see him uh, causing MGF to lose in a one-on-one match. But I don't see that one happening. I see more to lice. I see more on the idea of MGF getting thrown out. Uh out of the Battle Royal next week in his hometown of Long Island, nevertheless, because I see AEW not going to give MGF a loss on television, a, uh, like a pinning loss, a one-on-one situation. I don't see them doing that. They're going to say that for pay-per-views. MGF hasn't lost on television yet in a one-on-one competition. Tag team matches, yeah, sure. But a one-on-one, he hasn't done that one yet. So I don't see them doing that. And my prediction for the last two men in that Dynamite Diamond Ring, I see Dante Martin and I see Leo Rush probably being the last two guys. Because those are because W because uh, AEW has been putting stock into Dante Martin, and I see them doing so with Leo Rush just to give Leo something because he's been wearing bling around his neck and he's uh, the whole money management guy. So him doing something with the ring is inevitable, and Dante Martin getting that ring and then showing it off in Team Taz. And Team Taz gets something to be peacocking about. 
I see them doing some with that too. But those are my uh, predictions for the last two members to be in the Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal. But getting back to Punk and MGF. MGF then talks about CM Punk's dog, and this is whenever Punk gets completely upset, and I'm about to hear, hit you with the clip right now. I guess you must have brought your dog Larry this week, because I could hear him yip-yapping away in the back. And I'm going to be honest, friend to friend, man to man, if I were you, I wouldn't bring that flea-ridden, disgusting maggot of a dog around here anymore. Because if you do, if you do, PG Punk, I'm going to put Larry to sleep. Punk hearing that gets out of the ring and he starts walking up the ramp to MGF and MGF is cowering like a heel as supposed to do. And you get Warlow coming out from the backstage area and he walks right in between Punk and MGF. Punk is yelling. Punk isn't yelling. He's just talking to Warlow saying, this is the hill you want to die on for this piece of garbage. And MGF tells Warlow, it's all right. It's good. We're good here. And referees are coming out to separate Warlow and Punk. Punk really and MGF is telling Warlow let's go to the back and CM Punk's calling the P words as they're walking to the backstage area again this is a great way to really institute how much MGF is really getting on the skin of CM Punk now Punk isn't the only one person that can get underneath somebody's skin MGF is slowly making Punk get unraveled and mentioning a dog that CM Punk loves so much his dog especially like Larry that is showing you that Punk has a center spot and MJF just hit it and now MJF is going to twist the dagger right more into that uh chink in that armor he's going to twist right more into that heart strain that CM Punk has for his pet and probably the next line of attack I see MJF going after CM Punk's wife uh AJ Lee the former well AJ Lee yes the former WWE uh professional wrestler herself I see MJF going to be name dropping her next that's usually MJF's and uh this whole style of taking something that people love and just, just, just constantly just putting a foot right all up in it and just ugh, being a complete douche. So that's where MGF is more than likely going to be headed next. Anyway, we go backstage now and we got Britt Baker, Jamie Hader, and Rebel being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Britt Baker says that uh, it wasn't fair that Tony Khan made her wrestle Riho on Rampage last week, and now that Riho. He has a championship opportunity because she lost to Riho last week. Tony then asked Jamie Hayter, where was she when they had Friendsgiving last week on Dynamite? Jamie mentioned how she had a great match against Thunder Rosa on that episode. But then Britt interrupted and said that you lost, though. Jamie then told Britt that you had a great match with Thunder Rosa, too. But if I remember correctly, you also lost to Thunder as well. And Rebel's trying to like, keep the peace between those two, Britt understands this, she says, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry, and she says to Tony that, listen, we took a retreat during the weekend, and everything's back on track with uh, Dr. Britt Baker and the Entourage, and she had mentioned how Jamie Hayter has a match against Riho next week on Dynamite, and whatever left of Riho is left of her, she then can get her championship opportunity against Dr. Britt Baker, and just she does her whole DMD stick. After this, we go to the ring, and before anybody for in-ring competition comes out, Adam Cole comes out, and he does his whole entrance. He goes down to the ring. He does his whole Adam Cole baby, and then he walks back up to the commentary table. He's supposed to be sitting there at the commentary table for what's coming up next, but Arch Cassidy walks out, and Adam Cole says that he's not supposed to be wrestling here next. 
Orange Cassidy walks over to Adam Cole. Adam Cole gets out away from the table, and now he's face-to-face with Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy puts his hands in his pockets, and he's just standing there nonchalant towards Adam Cole. The Young Bucks come behind Orange Cassidy, and they're positioned to look like they want to super kick Orange Cassidy as soon as he turns around. But as soon as Cassidy turns around, he stares at the Bucks, and Bucks just stare back at Orange Cassidy. This gives Adam Cole the opportunity to uh, hit Orange Cassidy in the Johnson with a low blow. And the Young Bucks then now are playing with Orange Cassidy by softly kicking him in his chest the same way that Orange Cassidy will lightly kick his opponents in the shins. But then they ultimately hit him with a double super kick. And then they grab him and they're about to hit a three-way BTE trigger. But then Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta come out with steel chairs chasing away Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. So we see the best friends are about to be facing off with uh, the Super Elite for this time being. After this, we get a video of Tony Nese playing, and he mentions how he has a match with Sammy Guevara uh, at Rampage for the TNT Championship, and his whole message is that he's going to take the TNT Championship away from Sammy at Rampage. After this, one-on-one competition between Warlow and a scrub called AC Adams. In Warlow's corner was Sean Spears, but Warlow didn't need Sean Spears for any of this. Warlow was able to hit AC with five power bombs consecutively, and then pin him for the win. After the match, Sean Spears gets in the ring, and he decides to start laying into AC with steel chair shots to the back. He even breaks the steel chair on AC's back. So, I mean, Sean Spears knows how to uh, really swing a chair. After this, we go backstage now. It's Penta and Pac, who's wearing an eye patch because Pac got sprayed in the face last week by Malachi Black in the eight-man tag team match. Uh... Penta mentioned how it was supposed to be the Penta, uh, the Lucha Brothers going against FTR on Rampage for the AEW Tag Team Championships, but Phoenix is injured, so Pac will have to team up with Penta against FTR on Rampage. After this, now it's a tag team match. The Gun Club with Austin Gunn in their corner going against Darby Allin and Sting, and Team Taz is on commentary for this uh, match. Well, Taz is, but Hook and Powerhouse Hobbs is right behind him throughout that whole match. Uh, Sting and Darby win the match by pinfall when Darby was able to hit a stunner on Colton Gunn. Then Sting was able to hit a Scorpion Deathlock on Colton for the win. It was a good tag match. There's nothing bad I can say about it. Uh, this match was basically just to let uh, Darby do his thing with Sting and let the Atlanta crowd just see Sting in person on TNT. After this, we get uh, a backstage interview with Chris Jericho. Jericho mentions that he didn't come down to the ring on Rampage last week to save Eddie Kingston. He was there to take out 2.0 and Daniel Garcia because he's tired of seeing Daniel Garcia in the blockheads 2.0. Jericho is then attacked by 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. They throw him into a rolled uh, steel door. And then one of the members of 2.0 hits Jericho in the head with a steel chair and leaves him laying on the ground. We do get uh, told that Chris Jericho won't be able to commentate on Rampage. So uh, you will be having different wrestlers coming in on Rampage to fill up that position for Chris Jericho. We go back to uh, the commentary table and Team Taz. Well, Taz is on commentary talking about how Team Taz has a 25%, well, 125% chance of winning the AEW Dynamite uh battle royal next week because 25 percent of the competitors in the ring will be 
Team Taz uh, members. And Leo Rush walks out and he talks to Taz and he talks about how Taz should know him. And Leo says that he's a fighter. It mentions that how he's been a fighter and how he's going to fight with everything he has to win that battle royal next week. Taz tells him to retire. Taz tells Leo to look at Team Taz and tells him that he has no shot and begins to laugh. Dante Martin walks out of the tunnel and looks at Leo and starts shaking his head and tells him that you don't want to do this. Ricky Starks comes behind Dante Martin with the FTW Championship. He puts his hands on Dante and starts smiling and laughing in Leo's face. And then you get Dante, Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Ricky, yeah, Ricky Starks, and Hook going back into the tunnel. This was a wasted of a segment. I'm not going to lie. It was a waste. I get it. I get what they're doing. They're trying to amp up the whole uh, Leo Rush going against Team Taz. And more than likely, we're probably going to see somebody team up with uh, Leo Rush. But uh, you guys need to make it palpable for this because that was just a throwaway segment. As a guy that likes promos and a guy that likes segments, that was completely throwaway. Anyway. After this, we have a quarterfinal TBS Championship tournament match between Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander. Ruby wins the match by pinfall when she countered out of the Big Bang Theory into a roll-up. After the match, Ruby went to Chris Statlander to shake her hand. They shook hands, and Chris leaves the ring and starts walking up the ramp, but she's met by Vicky Guerrero, and she's there basically as a distraction so Chris Statlander won't be in the ring when Nyla Rose does get in the ring and pulls Ruby Soho off the turnbuckle and throw her onto the mat. Chris sees this. She runs down to the ring. Nyla uh, rolls out of the ring. And this is basically Nyla trying to like take care of Ruby Soho before she has her match against Ruby in the semifinals of the TBS Championship Tournament. Now it's time for the main event of AEW Dynamite. It is an Atlanta street fight between Cody Rose and Andrade El Idolo. Uh, Cody wins the match by pinfall when he puts Andrade through a table, and not just any table, ladies and gentlemen. It is a table that it was lit on fire, and the person that lit it on fire was Cody's wife, Brandy Rose, whenever she came to the ring, all dressed up in a black uh, sweatsuit, uh, bandana covering her face. She gets in the ring, she takes the hood off, she starts taking the bandana off, she starts getting the lighter fluid out, just spraying the table and she lits it on fire. Cody hits an avalanche reverse suplex from the top turnbuckle on Andrade. And after he breaks the table, Cody is still on the fiery part of the table. Cody's back is on. Uh, he doesn't feel it for a little bit because he stays on that table pot for about a good two or three seconds. And then he starts getting off that table because he feels the flame at least because you can see the flames like on him. You see parts of his gear have like flames on him and you see commentary of Tony Schiavone and Excalibur just saying that he's on fire and Cody was able to take that heat way better than I would because if I would have saw flames I would have started flipping out but anyway after he puts Andrade through the table he covers him for the win I mean it was a great solid main event whenever you think of a street fight you don't think matter of fact you should think of a street fight as this way because this match was really chaotic you had Andrade's handler going against Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson took a, well, he fell off the stage a little bit. And then you had the handler 
like pull up Arn Anderson while the camera wasn't looking at him, but you see it like far off in the distance, him put his hand out so Arn can get up and then they start brawling. Uh, during this match, you had Cody and Andrade go to go through the crowd. They fight each other in the audience. They hit each other. Well, Cody hits Andrade with a trash can full of trash. He throws him back over the uh, barricade into the ring section. Now you have chains used in this match. You have steel chairs. You have a golden shovel. Cody pulls out a golden shovel, but before he does this, he pulls out a kendo stick. The crowd cheers, and then he puts the kendo stick down. He goes underneath the ring. He pulls out a sledgehammer, and the crowd is booing, and Cody is having this little smirk on his face, and then he puts the sledgehammer down, and then he goes back underneath the ring, and he pulls out a golden shovel. In professional wrestling, whenever you see a shovel, that means the indication of somebody being buried. And how do you bury somebody? With a shovel, a.k.a. Triple H. And the whole comparison is Triple H used to bury the WWE roster, well, Raw roster, throughout his whole tenure whenever he was the World Heavyweight Champion in circa, what, 2003 to 2005-ish? Whenever the World Championship was on Monday Night Raw. So, no, late 2002 through 2005. He would be burying talent. Talent couldn't get wins on Triple H. And Triple H wouldn't drop the World Heavyweight Championship to him. And if he did, he would get it back within the next month or two months. Triple H would have that World Championship and hold on to it. That was the whole Golden Shovel was representing. And how Cody is kind of teetering on the line of being a bad guy in a way. And Cody even says it as he holds the shovel. He says, leaning into it. So this main event in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, was a complete chaotic, uh, just big mess. It was nothing but chaos. That's exactly what a street fight should be. It's nothing but two guys just swinging chairs, swinging chains, swinging any type of weapon that he can use. And even if necessary, put somebody through a flaming table to win the match. AEW Dynamite was a solid, um, episode for me this week there's no bad things i can say about it well except for the leo rush uh taz little segment they could have deal without that but other than that aw dynamite was straight this week if you can watch the episode you will not be disappointed and with that that is your aew dynamite's highlights of the week now it's time for impact wrestling impact wrestling opens up with an in-ring promo from matt cardona Matt Cardona talks about how he almost won his match against w morrissey at turning point if it wasn't for moose he feel like he was cheated well, he actually was cheated because Moose speared Cardona at turning point, which allowed Morrissey to hit uh, Cardona with a big boot to get the win. He says that Moose is afraid of him. He says the only reason that he is here in Impact Wrestling is because he wants to be a world champion, and Moose took that away from him. Moose then came out and interrupted Matt Cardona. Once Moose gets in the ring, he started to praise Cardona for wrestling for 18 years going around the world, and everybody around the world knows your name. He then tells Cardona to his face that he isn't the guy, and that he'll never be a top guy in the wrestling business. He even calls Matt Cardona a mid-carder, and that he, if he stands in the ring with Moose, he won't last long. As a matter of fact, he'll last as long as his Intercontinental Championship reign. Yes, that's the exact line that Moose said on Impact Wrestling. He talked about Matt Cardona's Impact... Well... It's kind of a championship reign, which was only a day long. 
He says that Matt Cardona should change his name to Mid Cardona. Matt had enough, and he hits Moose in the face, and then they start fighting. Matt is getting the better of Moose. He even starts uh, hitting Moose with a big boot, the broski boot, until W. Morrissey comes down, and he attacks Matt Cardona from behind, but Matt was able to handle his own on uh, Morrissey front as well. He starts taking care of Morrissey, then he goes back to Moose, then he goes back to Morrissey, and then out of nowhere, he gets just straight up just jumped by both men at the exact same time. So now you got a two-on-one beatdown until Eddie Edwards comes out, and he now evens it up on two-on-two, and Cardona and Edwards was able to take out both Moose and Morrissey, and they leave out of the ring. Now, a video of Violence by Design plays. They're talking about how they're going to be gunning for the Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Championships, but before they can do that, they have to go through Willie Mack and Rich Swan tonight, and they said that they will lay them down, and they will be the first blocks on their mountain of violence that they're going to be building. We go backstage and we have Matt Cardona talking to Scott Demore, and Scott Demore informs Matt that tonight in the main event of Impact, it will be Moose and W. Morrissey going against himself and Eddie Edwards. Cardona tells Scott that he wanted to have Moose for the World Championship. Scott tells him, listen, you always said that you're ready, so you're going to be ready for your main event match tonight. You'll be fine. Take care of it, and then we'll talk about it. Cardona walks away, and then you get Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering walking up to Scott Demore. They inform Scott that they want to be a part of the Knockouts Ultimate X match that was announced at Turning Point, which the winner of the Ultimate X match will get an Impact Knockouts World Championship match at Hard to Kill. They get interrupted by Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans, who say they want to be a part of this. Scott hears both of the teams out, and he decides to make a match between Savannah Evans and Rachel Ellering tonight. And that's how we end this segment. We go back to the ring, and now it's time for a one-on-one competition between Matthew Raywalt with Deanna Peraza in his corner going against Chris Saban. Chris Saban wins the match by pinfall thanks to Mickey James because Mickey took out Deanna Peraza after Deanna tried to interfere in the match. Chris Saban was able to hit a running insiguri and a cradle shock on Matt for the win. After this, we go backstage to Scott Demore, and he's letting both Chelsea Green and Alicia know, well, Alicia Edwards know that next week on Impact Wrestling, he will name the six women that will be a part of the Ultimate X match. So until then, they'll have to wait. Then Jay Vidal comes up to Scott and asks for an opportunity tonight. Scott tells Jay that he only has one position open tonight and he doesn't want that. Jay tells him that I want that opportunity. Scott tells him, you know what? Fine, you're doing me a big favor. As a matter of fact, that opportunity is... I need somebody to face Jonah, and looks like that'll be you. And he tells him, hey, that matches up next. Thanks, kid, for taking care of this. So now we go to in-ring competition now. It's Jay Vidal going against Jonah. And Jonah is the formerly known as Bronson Reed in WWE's NXT. Uh, Jonah wins the match by pinfall in dominating fashion when Jonah was able to hit Vidal with a splash off the top turnbuckle and that's all that she that's all she wrote for this match. After the match, however, Jonah gets on the mic and he says that the wrestling world has been talking about the top dog since he came to Impact Wrestling. He mentions showing up at New Japan Pro Wrestling San Diego show because he wanted to have a face to face with Moose. And then he switches his attention over to Josh Alexander because at turning point he attacked Josh Alexander and that was Jonah's like official Impact Wrestling debut. And he ended up uh, making Josh cough up blood after hitting him with a splash twice 
off the top turnbuckle. He says that everybody in the back and everybody on the internet and even the crowd has been saying that Josh Alexander is the best wrestler in the world. He says that for Josh to be the best wrestler in the world, he has to beat the big dog. And the big dog's here now. So this is setting up for Josh Alexander to go against Jonah at a later date and time. We'll probably get Josh coming back in another three weeks to go against uh, Jonah. Or probably even longer than that. But we'll just have to see. After this, we go backstage to a Trey Miguel interview, and he's talking about how he's happy to still be the X Division champion because he won it and retain it at Turning Point, but he isn't satisfied that he didn't beat Steve Macklin. In the pinfall, he pinned both Laredo and Macklin just like Roman Reigns did to Daniel Bryan and Edge, but the different case for this is that Steve Macklin got his arm up, but Laredo Kid didn't, so the referee counted, and he got to the three, so... Laredo Kid was the one that got pinned, and Macklin wasn't. So Trey talks about this, and then Macklin comes out of nowhere, and Macklin attacks uh, Miguel from behind, and they just start fighting all around backstage area. And even at one point, Macklin grabs like e- equipment uh, wiring and starts choking Trey Miguel, and then you get security and other backstage people like separating the two. Then Trey Miguel gets on a high platform and does a swanton off of that onto uh, Macklin and the rest of security. And then you get all men just lay down on the ground. And that's the end of this segment. Then we go over to another part of the building and it's W. Morrissey and Moose talking backstage. And Moose tells Morrissey that they have to stop Matt Cardona from getting the world championship title shot. Morrissey tells Moose that he doesn't understand how this is his problem because Moose has always promised him a title shot, but he hasn't delivered it to him. Moose tells Morrissey that, listen, if you take care, if we take care of Cardona tonight, you will get your championship match. Morrissey looks at him, he says, okay, and he walks away. So now we go to in-ring competition and Savannah Evans with Tasha Steeles going against Rachel Ellering with Jordan Grace in her corner. And Rachel Ellering wins the match by pinfall whenever she hits Savannah Edwards with the TKO. Well, Savannah Evans with the TKO. Uh, we go backstage now and we see the influence backstage and Tennille Dashwood is coming back from vacation. She's talking to Madison, Rain, and Caleb. And they tell her that two new girls have came into the Impact Wrestling uh, division and how... They are the new Todd Knockouts Tag Team Champions, and they even got an Australian accent. And Tanil says, "Well, that's my thing. I'm the I'm Australian. That's that's my kind of thing here." So now she can't wait to see who the two new girls are, not knowing that they're the inspiration. So once the influence actually meets the inspiration backstage, you see the inspiration, and Tanil just start hugging and smiling and jumping up and down because they have familiarity with each other. Caleb joins in with this, and it looks like it's one big happy festive. The only person that's not happy about this is Madison because Madison is just like the outside looking in and in the end we get the influence and inspiration just walking side by side with each other. So it looks like we're going to get this like one super group for right now until somebody more than likely stabs each other in the back. And more or less it's probably going to be the influence stabbing the inspiration in the back. After this we go to in-ring competition now it's a tag team match between Violence by Design members. Diener and Joe Doring with Eric Young in their corner going against Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Rich and Willie Mack win the match by pinfall when Rich was able to hit a 450 splash for the second turnbuckle onto Diener. After the match, however, Violence by Design attacks both 
Willie Mack, and Rich Swan until Heath and Rhino come down to the ring for the save. Now you got Rhino and Heath attacking Deer, Eric, and Joe Doring, and they're going to send all members of Island by Design out of the ring, and the only people standing left in the ring are Heath, Rhino, Rich Swan, and Willie Mack. Now it's time for the main event of Impact Wrestling, the tag team match of W. Morrissey and the Impact World Champion Moose going against Matt Cardona and Eddie Edwards. Matt Cardona and Eddie Edwards wins the match by pinfall, when Moose was going for a Uranagi on Matt Cardona, but Matt was able to roll reverse out of it and connect with a roll-up and get the win. So now Matt Cardona has gotten a three-count on the world champion. So more or less, Matt Cardona is going to get a world championship opportunity against Moose. And after the match, as Eddie Edwards and Cardona are walking backstage, Moose and Morrissey are in the ring, and Morrissey just big boots Mooks right dead in the face. And as Moose is laying on the ground, you see Morrissey walking over and standing over Moose's body and throw up the W. So Morrissey is throwing his name into the hat, well, into the ring for getting a world championship opportunity match. So more or less, probably at Hard to Kill is going to be a triple threat match with Matt Cardona, Morrissey, and Moose for the Impact World Championship. It hasn't been announced yet, but more or less, whenever that does get announced, that's probably going to be the match for the world title at Hard to Kill. And that's your Impact Wrestling highlights of the week. Now it's time for SmackDown. SmackDown opens up with a Brock Lesnar in-ring promo. But before Brock can really like get into why he's here and why he wants the Universal Championship, out comes Sami Zayn. And Pat McAfee hits it right on the head. He calls Sami Zayn an idiot as soon as he walks out. Because why on God's green would anybody want to disrupt Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar is a beast. It's literally his nickname, the Beast Incarnate. Why would anybody want to disrupt Brock Lesnar? But Sammy does this. Sammy gets in the ring and he says that he's a fan of Brock. And he's only out here to introduce himself. Brock tells Sammy that he doesn't know who he is and he doesn't really care. He will ask Sammy, why is it that I haven't ripped your head off yet? right now. Sammy tells him, well, the reason why you haven't ripped my head off is that because I'm the number one contender for the Universal Championship, and I'll be facing Roman at day one. Brock looks at Sammy and just starts laughing, and he even slaps his knee, and he says, you mean to tell me that I was suspended, and you became number one contender for the Universal Championship? Sammy says, yeah, that, that happened. Brock says, you know what? They're playing you. He tells Sammy that, you know, that they in the back are playing you right now. If you are the number one contender for the Universal Championship, why don't you have your match against Roman Reigns tonight? And the crowd cheers for it, and Brock is cheering for it. Sammy is trying to give Brock all excuses, but Brock just constantly, like, walking up on Sammy says, get the match tonight. Do the match tonight. Sammy tells Brock that, you know what, I'm not ready. My back hurts. I'm not mentally prepared for it. And he just tells Brock, you know what? I just want to have this match tonight in front of Dallas, Texas, because I don't like these people. And I don't want to win my first Universal Championship in front of these people. And he puts his hands on Brock's chest. And Sammy realizes it at the moment. He says, oh, crap. And Brock grabs Sammy's hand and he starts twisting on it. And Sammy yells, ow, ow. Okay, my bad. I eat that. That's my bad. Brock says, you're going to have your match tonight against Roman, right? Sammy says no, and then Brock kind of twists his arm a little bit more, and then Sammy says, yes, yes, I'll have a match with Roman tonight. 
Brock says, okay, good. As a matter of fact, here's the deal. I'll be out here tonight. I'll be in your corner watching the match, okay? And that's how we end this segment with Sammy leaving out of the ring, holding his hand, and he just starts yelling to Brock, you know what? I'm going to have that match tonight against Roman. I'm going to do that. And we're going to see what happens to Sammy at the end of SmackDown. Uh, Sammy goes backstage now, and now he's talking to Sonya Deville, and he's trying to get out of his match with Roman. He even says to Sonya that, I put my foot in my mouth this time. And as soon as he's trying to get himself out of the match, out walks Brock Lesnar right behind Sammy Zayn. Sammy is telling Sonya that, you know what, I shouldn't have my match with him tonight. I shouldn't have my match with Roman. And Sonya says, no, you're going to have your match with Roman tonight, and it's going to be for the Universal Championship. Brock is cheering for this, and Brock even interjects and says, and then I'll get the winner at day one. Sonya Deville says, yep, you'll get the winner at day one, and Brock hits Sammy on the chest, on the behind the back, and says, you know what, there it is right there. We got our answer. You know what, Sammy? We're both winners tonight. Even give Sammy a high five. We go to the in-ring competition now. Now we got Sasha Banks going against Shayna Baszler. Sasha wins the match by pinfall when Sasha was able to reverse out of Shayna Baszler's uh, gut wrench suplex and hit a Hernacarana for the win. Solid woman match between Sasha Banks and uh, Shayna Baszler, and I wouldn't have expected anything less from this. Backstage now, we get Sonya Deville in her office talking to Adam Pearce on FaceTime. Adam talks about how he's not going to be up at SmackDown tonight because Brock Lesnar is there and he doesn't want to disrupt the main event. So he tells Sonya Deville that you got this, and he hangs up. Once Sonya Deville turns around, Drew McIntyre is right there standing right there, and he asks Sonya who made the list last week and excluded him for the Battle Royal. Sonya tells Drew that Adam made the list, and he won't be here tonight. Drew says, okay, so we're passing the blame here. Okay, fine. He lifts up his sword, and he tells Sonya that next time you see Adam, Tell him that Drew's looking for him. And then he leaves out of Sonya's office. Next thing that we have is an in-ring segment from Happy Talk with their guests, Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. Recapping it, Madcap and Corbin are talking crap about both Jeff Hardy and Drew McIntyre until Drew comes out and stands there on the ring apron, not ring apron, in the entrance ramp with his sword. And he just points at both members of, he points at both Moss and Corbin. Corbin tells Moss to go out there and handle this. Moss isn't trying to feel this, but he goes out there reluctantly, and he just stares at Drew, and he tells him to put the sword down. But this is all a distraction, because once Corbin turns around in the ring, Jeff Hardy's there, and he hits Corbin with a twist of fate. Now, Corbin rolls out of the ring, and then you see Madcap Moss run back into the ring, and he's going off with Jeff Hardy, but Jeff was able to hit him with a twist of fate, and then as soon as he does this, Drew McIntyre rushes right into the ring and hits Moss with a Claymore kick, and after this, Moss rolls out of the ring, and the last two men inside the ring are Drew McIntyre and Jeff Hardy just holding the ring for themselves. We get a video playing of Zia Lee after this, and main point of this is that Zia Lee will be debuting on SmackDown next week in the Staples Center's. Now it's time for another one-on-one competition. Well, this time it's a tag team match. The Viking Raiders going against Lotharios. Lotharios win the match by pinfall when Humberto has Ivar in a headlock ready for Angel Garza to deliver the dropkick, but Rick Boogs pl- 
plays his guitar on the commentary table, and Shinsuke Nakamura is right there with him, and they're doing this to distract Angel, which they do successfully because Eric then comes out of nowhere and clotheslines Angel out of the ring, which then has Humberto let go of Ivar, and Ivar is now staring and looking at Boogs, and Humberto rolls up Ivar for the win. And then after the match, Viking Raiders go to Nakamura and Boogs, and they say, we know what you were trying to do. We know we've, we've been there. So they're not upset. So then Boogs then starts playing the Viking Raiders theme on the guitar, and then the Viking Raiders, Boogs, Nakamura, and Pat McAfee are jamming out to this. Now we go to a backstage interview with Tony Storm. Tony Storm mentioned how she's now known as the girl that got pie-faced by Charlotte Flair last week, twice on SmackDown. But she says that won't deter her from challenging Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Championship. She says that she's going to be looking to give herself a new nickname, and that nickname being the SmackDown Women's Champion. And she's going to be heading out to the ring to kind of confront Charlotte Flair later tonight. After this, we go back to in-ring competition, and it's the Usos standing in the ring. And they said that Sammy has lost his mind challenging Roman for the Universal Championship tonight. They said that Sami Zayn was afraid of Brock Lesnar. That's the reason why he decided to have that match tonight. But that's not the man you should be afraid of. The man you should be afraid of is the head of the table, the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. Jay then focuses attention onto King Woods and say that King Woods needs to get down here so they can have their match and that he could finally put an end to King Woods. So King Woods comes out and he says that the Usos didn't like the surprise of Sami Zayn challenging Roman Reigns. So they he knows they're definitely not going to like the surprise that he has for them right now. And out comes Sir Kofi Kingston. So Kofi's back with King Woods. And now King Woods is walking down to the ramp for his, well, walking down to the ring with, for his match against Jay Uso. So it's now Jay Uso with his brother Jimmy Uso in his corner going against King Woods with Kofi Kingston in his corner. Uh, King Woods wins the match by disqualification when Jimmy pulls Woods off the ring apron before he can try to even go for his elbow drop. And the referee sees this, so he rings the bell. Kofi then runs over and then jumps off of the steel steps onto Jimmy Uso and then starts pounding on Jimmy and throwing hands until Jay gets out of the ring and throws Kofi back into the ring. Once Jay gets in the ring and Jay tries to throw a punch at Kofi, Kofi reverses it and hits him with the Trouble in Paradise. Jimmy Uso then gets in the ring and now you got both members of the New Day, Kofi and was attacking Jimmy until he rose out of the ring. And that's the end of this segment. And we see like the camera flash over to Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman in Roman's locker room and Roman's sitting in his chair. And he says that, so you mean to tell me that Kofi Kingston is back and Brock Lesnar is here tonight. Roman asks Paul, did he know anything about Brock being here tonight? Paul said that caught him by surprise. Roman then asks him, did he know anything about Brock being in Sami Zayn's corner in his match tonight? Brock said, Paul said that too caught him by surprise. Roman tells Paul that if Brock gets anywhere near him, he's going to smash him the same exact way he's going to smash Sammy tonight. And that's the end of that segment. So we're going to have to see what happens in the main event later tonight on SmackDown. We go to the New Day talking and walking backstage with Aaliyah until they see Caleb Braxton. And then they call her over. And King Woods even calls her the town gossiper because she's the interviewer for SmackDown. And he allows 
Kofi Kingston to inform Kayla that at day one, they will be challenging the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships because the Usos destroyed King Wood's crown. So now it's an eye for an eye, and now they have to destroy the Usos Tag Team Championship title reign. Now we go to in-ring, and it's Charlotte standing in the ring, and Charlotte talks about how Tony Storm is out here just to make herself relevant because that's the only way anybody in this division will ever get recognized if they interrupt Charlotte Flair. Charlotte talks about how she made Tony the talk of the town because she got pied in the face twice by Charlotte. Charlotte then talks about how number one never really ever acknowledges number two and number four or five or even six. And Charlotte says that she's number one. And Tony is barely even number five or six. And she should be happy that Charlotte's even acknowledging her. Charlotte then says that, you know what? I thought about it. I thought about Tony's challenge. And I'm here to basically give Tony the courtesy to tell her that I'm not accepting her challenge. So Charlotte basically gave an emphatic no to Tony Storm's challenge for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte leaves the ring and starts walking up the ramp. And as soon as she's uh, taunting the fans holding her championship belt behind uh, in the air, Tony Storm comes running behind her and she's holding a pie in her hands. And she just can't wait for Charlotte to turn around. And once Charlotte does, Tony pies her right in the face. And Charlotte starts freaking out because now she's embarrassed and she's the one with pie on her face now. Now we go to in-ring competition. It's Cesaro going against Sheamus. And Sheamus wins the match by pinfall. When Sheamus hits a bro kick for the win. This was a strong uh, match between both Char- uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. Because they two know these two men know each other. They were in a long-running tag team together known as the Bar. So they know each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses. And they know each other's moves. So this was a good, solid uh, match between both Cesaro and Sheamus. As it normally would be. After this, we go backstage now. And it's Naomi... Uh, in Sonya Deville's office, and Naomi asks Sonya for a match against her next week. Sonya says that she will give her that match once she takes the suit off. Sonya tells Naomi that once she has her gear on, then she'll face her. But as long as she has the suit on, she's her boss. And if Naomi touches her, she'll make sure she won't get that match and not even a single solid paycheck. Naomi hears all this, and then she asks Sonya again, so does that mean you accept my match? You accept the challenge? Sonya slaps Naomi and says, I accept. Naomi knows she can't touch Sonya Deville because she just heard that if she hits her, the match will be off, and she won't get a paycheck. So we'll have to wait for next week where the match actually does happen when Naomi goes against Sonya Deville for the Universal Championship. Now it's time for the main event. We get Sami Zayn coming out. And he's in the ring just waiting for Roman Reigns to come out. But Sammy gets on the mic and he talks about how he's going to win the Universal Championship tonight. And the only person he has to think is himself and not the people in San Antonio because they never believed in him and yada, yada, yada. Then Brock Lesnar comes out. And Sammy tells Brock that, hey, listen, I know you're not out here to help me win or anything, but uh, it will be a better opportunity for you to face me at day one than Roman Reigns because your track record so far recently hasn't been so good with you going against Roman Reigns. 
So Sammy's trying to play mind games with Brock, and Brock's hearing it for a little bit until he's tired of hearing it, and he quickly grabs up Sammy for a German suplex, and he suplexes him. He does it two more times, and then he picks him up and hits Sammy with two F5s, and then that's all she wrote. Sammy's kind of, like, done here. He's You really could just call it a day. But Brock picks him up and puts him right, like, props him up right on the turnbuckle, and you know, now you just have Sammy just all dazed out and like knocked out and he's just waiting for Roman Reigns to come out. Roman comes out and he has his entourage Paul and the Usos and you see Sammy like drop on the mat and he's just like laid out on the mat because again he just got done taking punishment from Brock Lesnar so he's knocked out. Once Roman gets in the ring the Usos get in the ring and they like bring Sammy Zayn up they pull hold him up they prop him up next to the turnbuckle again, just the same way that Brock Lesnar did. And now Sammy's kind of got himself balanced out a little bit. Still knocked out, but his body's holding up. The referee sees this, and he has no other choice but to still call for the bell. So now the match begins, and Roman's at the other end of the uh, ring area. And Roman just does his holler, and he spears Sammy right in the chest. And then he picks Sammy Zayn up, and he applies the guillotine choke. And Sammy quickly taps out, and that's all she wrote. That main event match was literally 20 seconds, if that. So, Roman won the match and retained his Universal Championship by submission, thanks to Brock Lesnar. So now we know at day one, it will be Roman Reigns going against Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship, and that's your SmackDown Highlights of the Week. Now on to AEW Rampage. AEW Rampage opens up with the TNT Championship match between Tony Nese and Sammy Guevara. This was a great match to open up Rampage with. Uh, Sammy Guevara did win the match by pinfall when Sammy was able to hit the GTH on Tony Nese for the win. Again, a solid, solid opening match. I thought this would have been the main event for the night, but that was not the case. Sammy won the match, and this was able to showcase and put more credibility onto Sammy, uh, Sammy Guevara's uh, championship reign as TNT champion. After this, we go backstage now and has Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. Uh, Christian mentions how Jurassic Express are the number one contenders for the AEW Tag Team Championships. And they mention how they are going to be watching and scouting the match between FTR and Penta and Pack tonight to see if they can scout and see what type of things might be coming up in their near future. Christian finishes it off by saying that if it's the last thing he does... He's going to make Jurassic Express the new AEW Tag Team Champions. So, we can tell where this is at. We can see Christian like being the dedicated like coach for Jurassic Express. I just want to know, is he going to cheat for them? Is he going to pull some undertanded moves for Jurassic Express to win the tag team titles? I don't know. We'll have to see whenever they get their tag team opportunity, but... It will be an interesting like curveball for the Jurassic Express to kind of go the dark side away and have Christian kind of like be the one to pull that trigger for them. I want to see how that goes, but we'll have to see whenever that time does come around. After this promo, we go to the in-ring competition and it's Jay Cargo with her manager, Smart Mark Sterling, going against one of Thunder Rosa's uh, students, Janine Kai. And Thunder Rosa is on commentary for the match, but this real match is not really even a match. Because the bell rings, 
Jay quickly goes to work on Kai, and Jay picks up Kai for Jaded, hits her with it, covers her, and that's all she wrote, so Jade wins the match by pinfall. After the match, Jade picks up Kai and hits her with a bicycle knee to the uh, chest and starts getting on the ground and starts punching uh, Kai in the face until Thunder Rosa leaves the commentary table and runs straight into the ring and double uh, underleg hooks uh, Jade's legs, takes her to the ground, and they start punching each other and fighting each other until referees come out from the back to separate both Jade and Thunder Rosa because they're going to have their match not next week on Dynamite, but probably next week on Rampage. And, they're, and that's going to be the semifinal match for the TBS Championship. And the winner of that match will go on to the finals for the TBS Championship. So that match and this like thing between Jade and Thunder Rosa, it's really something because... This is going to basically decide who's almost going to be the first ever TBS champion. After this, we go backstage now, and it's a super elite talking. It's Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Adam talks about how Orange Cassidy tried to take his moment away from him on Dynamite, but Cole says that Orange Cassidy is a laughingstock in AEW, and that's not a good thing that you want to be in AEW. The Young Bucks then talk and say how they will be making their in-ring return on Dynamite in the tag team match and tells the best friends to pick two of their best guys to face them. And which we do find out at the end of the night, it will be um, Chuck Taylor and Rocky Romero going against the Young Bucks on Dynamite. Another promo that we get after this is Eddie Kingston. He makes it short and sweet. He talks about 2.0. He tells 2.0 that they want to continue this whole violent act against Eddie Kingston. He's cool with it but they will reap what they sow. And he says that uh, Chris Jericho had nothing to do with this, and but he doesn't care about Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho isn't this problem. So again, he's ready to take on 2.0, and more or less we're going to see Chris Jericho probably joining up with Eddie Kingston to take on both members of 2.0 and more or less Danny Garcia. Now it's time for the main event of Rampage. FTR with Tully Blanchard in their corner going against Penta and Pac with Alex Abrahantis in their corner. FTR wins the match by pinfall thanks to Malachi Black. When Dax had the referee looking at his knee, Pac was waiting for uh, Dax to get up, but Malachi ran down the ring and got on the ring apron, grabbed Pac, and turned him face towards him and sprayed him with a black mist into Pac's other eye. Because remember, Pac's wearing an eye patch because last week on Dynamite, Malachi sprayed black mist into one of Pac's eye. So now Malachi sprayed mist into Pac's other eye in this, and then Dax rolled up Pac for the win immediately after Malachi got done spraying Pac in the face. Um, after the match, FTR had their hand raised in victory, but Penta attacked them from behind. However, Cash was able to grab Penta's mask and unmask Penta, and Penta went directly to the mat and started covering up his face. Because remember, in the Mexican heritage, a luchador is never supposed to unmask himself, because if they do, they bring great shame, and nobody's ever supposed to see your face. So Penta had to cover his face to make sure nobody saw it. Um, Malachi got back in the ring, and he started trying to gouge the eye out of Pac, and read the, the referee of the match how to separate Malachi from Pac, so once Malachi got up, you saw Malachi's hand and it had black mist on it, but you could see a red streak on one of his fingers. 
So they're trying to indicate that he got somewhere close into Pac's eye. So now uh, he got blood on his hand. So And then Malachi even lifted his hand up in the air so people can see it. So they're going to really lean into uh, the eye for an eye situation, almost like last year with Malachi, formerly known as Aleister Black, in the WWE promotion, um, had his eye hurt by Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy in WWE. So Malachi is kind of taking that approach over into AEW, and I ain't got a problem with it. As long as they don't do no stupid eye for an eye match, we're all good. But anyway, that's your ending of your AEW Rampage highlights of the week. Now, before I get you guys out of here, let me give you my uh, NXT War Games takeover uh, predictions. For the women's War Games match, I have Team Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray beating the team of Dakota Kai and Toxic Attraction. This is Toxic Attraction's first time in War Games. I can understand they're all world champions, but Raquel, Io, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray are the ones that are going to win this, and they're probably going to. Uh, pin Dakota Kai because they're not going to pin none of none of the members of Toxic Attraction. And if they do pin a member of Toxic Attraction, I can see them going with Mandy Rose and they're probably going to have whoever pins Mandy be like the next uh, person to challenge for the NXT Women's Championship. After this, uh, hair versus hair match. Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson. Easy win. Cameron Grimes, I see them going to be cutting Duke Hudson bald or giving him like some low boy haircut. For Duke, I don't see them cutting the hair of Cameron Grimes' butt so much because Grimes already has a haircut right now. So, Cameron Grimes for the win. NXT Tag Team Championship. Imperium going against Kyle Riley and Von Wagner. Imperium off the strength because we don't know if Kyle Riley is staying with NXT or not. More or less, he's probably not. And this contract has been claimed to ending soon. So, yeah, Imperium's winning. After this, NXT Cruiserweight Championship match. Roderick Strong going against Joe Gacy. I want to have Roderick win, but with Joe Gacy having television time as much as he does, I can see them giving it off to Joe Gacy. I can see it. So, yeah, Joe Gacy. Give it off to me. I say Joe Gacy for that. Uh, the men's war games match. Team old school versus team new school. Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, Ellie Knight going against Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. I see them giving this off to Team New School. Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. Probably with Carmelo Hayes pinning Tommaso Ciampa for the win to really solidify New School is here taking out uh, Old School NXT. And, uh, yeah, that's all the matches. It's only got five matches for the War Games uh, pay-per-view card. So this match, uh, so this pay-per-view should be short. Anyway, that is your highlights for the week for wrestling. And uh, let me get you guys my social media links so we can get you guys out of here. On Twitter, you can find me at, at My2Podcast. Instagram, My2CentsPodcastG2. Uh, my email, if you want to email me about anything, remember, if you are depressed, if you are sad, if you are happy, if you want to just get something off your chest that you don't know who to talk to, you can always email me. My email is my2centspod at yahoo.com. Remember, email me about anything you want to email me about, and I will be there. I constantly check my email, okay? Um, I believe that's it. Oh, yeah. 
You can find past episodes and future episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Audible. Remember, I love you all. I want you all to have a great day, great Saturday. Check me out tomorrow on my Sunday episode where I talk about current event things. Check me out Monday on my uh, recap of NXT War Games. And if not, hey, you always will be able to check me out next week for the Wrestling Highlights of the Week. With that, I want you guys to have a great day. Please be safe out on these roads because remember, things are dangerous out here. Uh, but yeah, this has been G2. He is I, I, him. I love you all. Please have a great Saturday. And with that, Kanye, can you please take us home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Well.